listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Hearing God. Hearing God. I just really felt led as we're talking about prayer that we're going to just have some practical insight over the next few Wednesday nights that we can just kind of hang out. I've got the stool perhaps going to sit back, just hang out a little bit because I want to try and teach you more than preaching. Really the only difference between teaching and preaching is how fast you say it and how loud you say it. Come on, if it's fast and loud, it's preaching. If it's slow and quieter, it's teaching. But we just want to teach you, I believe, some really great truths. And, you know, I was really racking my brain about coming up with a real creative title for this message. But, you know, it is what it is. It's hearing God. How can I hear God? I would say, and Dad would testify to this, and anyone who's been involved in ministry, I would say the two leading questions that I would ask have in any years of ministry would be this. Question one, how can I hear the voice of God? How can I hear the voice of God in my life? Does God speak to me? Is he wanting to speak to me? Something in those realms. How can I hear? And then the second leading question is this, how do I know if it's him? Come on, you know what it's like. Is it God? Was it the cheese I ate last night? You know, was it a dream? What was going on? Is it God? And what we're going to do over the next few weeks, tonight really we're going to answer the question about how you can hear God. And then next week we're going to kind of finish it off. And then next week we're going to talk about how do we know it's God. And I really believe in the Word of God there's practical, which means life things that we can apply to our lives that can really help us in those things. And, uh, and I know that we've asked those questions. Has anyone ever asked those questions? Come on, how do I know it's God? How do I hear God? We've, we've all been there. And it's amazing how many times that when we're trying to hear God and we're trying to get direction from God, that there's so much noise that comes in all around us. That we are absolutely bombarded. We, we can have no needs in our life and there's silence. But the moment struggles, trials, tribulations come in, it's like everyone starts talking. Everyone wants to offer us their advice. Everyone wants to tell us. The enemy wants to tell us God is trying to speak to us. And sometimes it can be really tough to know, what do I do? What do I not do? Do I go here? Do I go there? And we want to learn and teach each and every one of you how we can filter out everything else and leave just God. And how we can hear. doesn't mean those other voices will stop. Come on, the voice of negativity never stops. The voice of criticism never stops. Those other voices will never stop. But yet filtering those out and recognizing and realizing the one true 
voice of God. And the Bible tells us that that's possible. How do we know that? Well, let's look at God's Word. Look at John chapter 10. Jesus talks about the shepherd with sheep. And he talks about, I am the good shepherd. But look what it says in John chapter 10, verse 4. This is speaking of Jesus. It says, when he brings out his own sheep. I love that. You could preach a whole message on that. When he brings you. Come on, where are you at tonight? God's going to bring you out. Come on. He wants to bring you out. He doesn't want to leave you the same. He wants to change you and bring you out. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, come on, say it with me, for they know his voice. Come on, say that again with me, for they know his voice. The sheep follow because they know his voice. Verse 5 goes on to say, yet they will by no means follow a stranger. Say with me, strange voice. They'll by no means follow a stranger or a strange voice, but they will flee from him. You know the problem we have is we flirt with him instead of flee with him. Come on now. The stranger, the enemy, we flirt with him and the Bible says we've got to flee from the wrong voice. We've got to run in the opposite direction. Why? Because we shouldn't know the voice of a stranger. I'm not going to go there, but here's the thought. Are you ready? Just going to hit it real quick. Whatever is the most familiar voice in your life is going to become the one that you know the most. So what is the stranger of your life? What is the familiar voice? If you're not living with God and you're not talking with God, guess what? The world and the enemy is going to be the familiar voice of your life. It's going to be that which you're going to follow. But the stranger has to be the one that we spend the least time with. In fact, the one we flee away from. And then jump down to verse 14. God just reminds us, I am. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and am known by my own. So what do we hear? What do we read? What do we get from that? We can know the voice of God. And it's important we know the voice of God because God says, my voice is that which wants to lead your life. It's that which leads your life, shows you the way that you should go. And this is why it's so important that we pray, so important we conversate with God. Why? Because God wants to lead our life. He wants to speak to us and speak into our lives. So we can not only just know the voice of God, but we've got to first have an ear tuned to hear. You cannot know it if you haven't first heard it. Come on now. You can't know something if you haven't heard it. So we've got to first hear it. We've got to be in tune. And again, we're going to give you the practical steps. And, and what we're going to also do tonight, with Dad and Pete are just going to quickly hand out some cards. I forgot to mention them earlier. They're just going to hand out some cards. And throughout tonight, with things that we're discussing, anything that we're saying, come on, if you've got a question, why not just jot it down? Why not jot it down? Because at the end of the message tonight, we're just going to give you the opportunity to ask some questions next week too. So if we don't get to all the questions tonight, we will. But if you've got a question, jot it down. And if there's questions that you're embarrassed about, just remember this. Probably everyone's wanting to know the same thing. So you can ask that for them. So while they're handing out the cards, let's have a recap. What did we talk about Sunday? What did we talk about? Prayer? Good. We talked about prayer. We're all there. But what was the title of our message on Sunday? Monologue or conversation, okay? Is it a monologue? Is it a one-sided affair or are we having a conversation? What is it that God intends it to be? 
a conversation. He wants to speak to us. So in order to speak to us, what did we say we had to do? It's on the screen so you don't have to cheat. It's right up there. Come on. You don't have to guess. What do we have to do? Create the space. How many people have been trying to create some space this week for God just to speak? Come on, however much you give him, he's going to fill it, I'm telling you. And he wants to speak into our lives. So it's given him the opportunity by creating them space, giving him room to fill, or literally giving him time to speak and answer. To speak and answer. Too many people want God to answer where I want God to speak into my life, then answer. You may say, well, what's the difference? Because if I'm asking God just to answer All I'm asking him to do is to reply to the things that I have asked. But what does God's word tell us? He knows what we have need of before we ask. So I don't want God just to answer what I may or may not think I know and need. I want God to speak the life into my life. And and as he speaks, guess what? A lot of my answers are taken care of because all of a sudden I'll realize that was a wrong prayer. Because we can pray the wrong prayer. Too many people think about prayer and hearing from God. Oh, all God wants to do is just answer what I... Come on, he's not just going down your shopping list, checking everything off. Why? Because he's too loving to give you the things that are not right for your life. So what I want is, I don't want God just to answer me. I want God to speak to me first. You may say, well, it's the same thing. No, I want God's instruction. And then whatever he wants to answer in my life, then I'm up for that. But his instruction, I believe, is a whole lot greater than our answer or the answers. Why? Because he'll show us and reveal stuff. What was the scripture we talked about? Jeremiah 3 verse 33 verse 3 says, Call upon me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things. Remember this? I will answer you, God says, by showing you. By showing you. What does that mean? I want to teach you the prayers and the way in which you need to pray. Come on, I want to teach you. Come on, our ask does not always line up to his knowledge of what he knows we need. And what do I want in my life? What I think I need or what do I want? What he thinks I need. I want what God knows I need in my life. And I'm willing to put down my list and just say, God, speak to me. And whatever answers I've asked you for, God... I'm believing for them too. But you know what? I want you to speak into my life and I want you to lead me and guide me. Because I don't want God just to be my spiritual genie. Come on, God, I've asked, so rub that lamp and you're going to have to come back and answer me. God's more than a spiritual genie. More than a spiritual genie. And more than just answering my shopping list. And God wants to speak. And God is speaking. You and I just need to listen. So how do we do that? Here's basically the whole message in a nutshell. You ready today? Slow down. Just slow down. Just slow your life down. Look at this statement. Hurry is the death of prayer. Hurry can be the death of prayer. Most of us never hear from God, not because he's not speaking, because he is speaking. But most of us never hear from God because we don't slow down long enough to pray. Making us too busy for our spiritual health. Think about that. Making us too busy for our spiritual health and well-being. Come on, say with me, oxygen. 
Oxygen. What is the statement we've been saying about this series? Martin Luther said it. He said this, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. So just like we need oxygen to breathe, I believe as a Christian we need prayer, that prayer is a vital ingredient for our spiritual health and well-being. But as a result of hurry, 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 pressure, 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 so many times we haven't slowed down enough and taken it to God and prayed to Him. And we must, we must, we must pray. Think about this, if our life was like an engine. They tell us that most engines or an ordinary engine in a car turns over about 4,000 revolutions per minute, okay? A sports car, a race car, has an engine that is tuned that can turn over about 10,000 revolutions per minute. So the more revolutions, the greater the performance, the greater the output, the greater the speed. You rev it up, it's going to go faster, So what does society, what does life, what does the world, what does everyday living want to do to our lives as an engine? Come on, the world wants us to run wide open, full throttle from the time we get up in the morning and keep it up there until we collapse in bed at night. Come on, think about the demands that are on us. Come on, think about the needs. Just think about the deadlines that we're facing. Think about the practices. We've got to go here and there and kids there and here and everywhere. Think about the bosses screaming, there's extra work, we need you for overtime. Come on. And then there's the kids and then the kids are now going back to school and there's school and with school there's homework and then with school and homework and kids, come on, there's laundry and then there's cleaning. There's just every... Are you getting the picture? And what we end up doing is we're running absolute full throttle. And we're looking for what? To see if we can cram in more and more. How can we swing it so we can do more? That's our plan, isn't it? How can we work it out so we can let our kids play three sports instead of just two? I mean, I think if you go there and then I, we're looking and planning for what? To run our engines wide open, full throttle, burning it out. Come on, what do we do? We start earlier and we work later. We even take our work home now. But why? Because the world tells us if you want to be successful and you make it, it's performance, performance, performance. Vroom, vroom, vroom. You've got to rev it and have it full throttle. And that can be good at times because how many knows what it is to have the adrenaline kick in, you know? For some of you, it may be five-hour energy, you know? It's those sugar drinks and you're like, right. But it can be cool when the adrenaline kicks in. It can be rewarding. It can be exciting. But listen to me, only for a season and only for a time. Because in the natural, if you went into your car and you redlined it, continue, you're going to burn out your motor. You're going to be stranded on the highway somewhere. Why? Because that vehicle was not designed to be driven. You and I in our lives are running our lives in ways that God never created or designed us to live. And as a result of being pedal to the metal and going, it leaves us precious little time for those quiet moments alone with God. Working. 
parenting. Being a single parent. Man, single parents, we respect you. I mean, it's enough job parenting. Being a parent is a tough job. We respect you. But the demands, the needs to run full throttle, they pressurize us all the time. Why? Because we want to give our kids the best. We want to provide. We want the nice homes. We want the nice things. How do we do that? Vroom, 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 vroom. Harder work, overtime, go, go, go. But that's not sustainable. And something or someone is going to give out. Something or someone is going to give out. And ask yourself this. If that's the picture of my life each and every day, ask yourself this. Where does the small, still voice of God fit into my hectic life? The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I wonder how many of us are so busy we don't even hear the knock anymore. Got so hectic, hectic, hectic. Here's another question. When do I allow him to lead, guide, correct, and affirm me? And if this seldom happens, how can I lead a truly authentic Christian life? How is a relationship with God really possible if I'm not slowing down and having time with God? Come on, the real truth is this. It's not that we don't hear God. It's just that we've become too busy to hear God. It's not that he's not speaking to us, he is. But he's not going to fight against everything else because he won't go against your will. You've got to surrender your will. You've got to cool your jets, buddy. You've got to lay off the pedal. You've got to cruise a little bit and learn to take life Because if you don't take life and control your life, your life will control you. And it will take over your life. And it talks about how can I be an authentic Christian? I love that thought, an authentic Christian. What does that look like? We're going to do a series next month, I think, uh, about what does it mean to be a Christian? You know, what is it involved in that? And I'm really excited about that. We're just planning some things right now. But what does a Christian life really look like? Is it the fact that I memorize 5,000 scriptures? Does that make me the Christian? Is it because I'm doing everything for everyone else? That's important, amen. But the Bible speaks about... What? Faith with or works without faith. Come on, we've got to watch that. But then there's faith that produces works in our lives. Okay, The works don't produce the faith, but the faith produces the work. Because the Bible says if we don't have faith and we're not doing, we're dead. But what has to come first? Our faith, our relationship with God. So what does it really mean to be a Christian in two words? Are you ready? Or three words? It's a walk. It's a walk. The Christian life is a walk. It's literally a supernatural walk with a living, dynamic, communicating God. So again, it's not just all about what I know and what I do. It's centered upon who I am or really that me being in a walking relationship every day, walking and in communion with God. So the heart and soul of our Christian life must be this, learning to hear God's voice and developing the courage to do what he tells us to do. Because if it's a walk, I need him to lead me. 
because he promises to go before me and lead me out. But I've got to realize that in order to walk, I need to hear his voice and then develop the courage to do what he tells me to do because some of the things are going to be tough. Some of the things are going to be requirements on my behalf. It's going to be things I'm going to have to take responsibility for in my life. But for what reason? To get me further in my relationship with him and to make my life what God wants me to be. And you know, when we have that kind of relationship with God, when we hear his voice and we develop a courage to do what he tells us to do, you know what that will do to our life? It will set us apart above any other people. Come on. It will build a, different, a deeper character in you. It will change who you are, your core beliefs and everything. It will soften your spirit. Have you ever needed your spirit softened? Come on, you can get callous, can't you, and get hardened. Listen to this one. It will make you more compassionate. I want to be more compassionate. I want to see the needs of people and be moved like Jesus was with compassion towards them. I don't want to just walk past and say, serves them right if they would just get a job, everything. There's maybe some underlining truth in that, but then there may be some problems in that. And it's, I can pass judgment so quickly without knowing the whole story. And it makes me have compassion. What does it make me have? Having that walk with God, hearing His voice and, and being compelled and feeling that stirring in my heart. What else does it give me? It gives me a greater revelation. That when I read His Word, now it just jumps out of the page. It's not empty words. It becomes alive to me. It gives me stronger courage. I used to be afraid and I didn't really tell people, but now I've got a boldness. Come on, I've got a boldness that I'm proclaiming it from the rooftops. I'm posting it on social media and telling everyone what God's done in my life. Why? Because I'm not ashamed of what God has done. Come on, here's another thing that will happen. I'll start living by conviction. Come on, those things that I know I don't need to do, I'll begin to sense in my spirit, that's wrong, Philip. You don't need that. You, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't treat your wife that way. You, you shouldn't do it. Can you see what happens? It all changes. You know what else happens in my life? I become more joyful. My life is full of peace. There's love like I've never had before. And now I'm an overcomer. The things that used to ride over me, now I can step on top of them and I'm seeing victories in my life. Why? Because I'm hearing the voice of God. I'm slowing down enough. Given him the space in my life that I am hearing his voice. I'm telling you, hearing his voice changing, changes everything about us and makes us better. It makes us better. I didn't say better than the person beside us because the comparison is not to others. The comparison is to yourself. Come on, you're comparing yourself to yourself every day and you need to be a better person than you were yesterday and the day before. Come on, the comparison. I want to be better and better. Not better than Pete, but better than Philip and what Philip was. I want to see my life increase and I want to see myself grow in God. And it's living a relationship renewed every day. Look what Psalms tells us. Psalms chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says this. But his delight, my delight, our delight, if it's in the law of the Lord and in his law, I meditate day and night. I ponder, I think, I, I, I plan it all over. Guess what happens in my life? I'm going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of the water. Guess what? That brings forth fruit in its season. You know what that says? There may not be fruit all the time in my life. Come on, there's going to be seasons where there won't be, but guess what's going to happen? My leaf's not going to wither. What does that mean? There's still going to be life. And when there's life, fruit can be produced. Come on, when there's death, no fruit can be produced. But there's going to be continued life in my life. And whatever I do, 
There's going to be prosperity in my life. Wow, that's a renewed daily relationship that God wants me to walk in. And that's a picture of what God wants my life to be. But the enemy to that is busyness. It's busyness. In fact, one of the words that Jesus uses in the word of God for busyness is worldliness. Worldliness. Getting caught up in society's agenda, the objectives of life, the activities that we want. Neglect to walk with God. That we fail to make space for Him. And the key ingredient to any relationship is this. Time, 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 time. Not leftover time. Come on, not throwaway time. But quality time, space, space, space. Here's a thought when we look at our relationship. We can look at a marriage. We can look at the comparison of a marriage. You know what we see today in most homes, unfortunately, and in many places, and the reason why there's so much divorce today is this. People have lost the closeness, the intimacy, and the oneness of together. And now what you see in a home is this, people cohabiting together. They're under the same roof, but they're not in the same heart. They're they're juggling chores. You go this way, I go this way. And that's why so many people, after their kids are out of the house, they're getting divorces. Why? Because they realize the only thing that kept them together was the scheduling of their kids and running all of that. And they realize that they've lost their love for each other. It's amazing how many of us, because of the full throttle pace of life, that all we're doing is cohabiting with God. We're coming to church. We're here tonight, aren't we? We're kind of reading his word when we kind of feel like it. But all we're doing is cohabitating with God. But there's no real relationship. There's no real intimacy. There's no real closeness. And the Christian walk is not an easy walk. It's not easy. But there's nothing in this world of greater and more lasting importance. Ask anyone who's lived for God and served God when their happiest times in life were. And every one of them will say, when I was living with God. But when you wander away, there's no peace there. There's struggles and pains. Nothing will ever give us greater peace and fulfillment in our lives than walking with God. What does that mean? Hearing His instruction. Hearing His voice. Just to slow down. I love this scripture from Hebrews 4 verse 16. It says this, let us therefore come. I love that. Let us come. What? Anywhere, anytime, under any circumstances, we can approach God. And you know how we can approach God? The Bible says boldly. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Thank God it's grace. Amen. Thank God it's grace. It's not judgment. It's grace. That we may what? Obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What a picture of what happens when we begin to pray to God. When we give Him our problems, when we give Him our concerns, guess what happens? He can give those things. He gives us the grace. He gives us the mercy to help us in our time. He meets our need. Come on, He fulfills our need. He supplies our need. So I want to give you just tonight, I believe from the Scripture some practical steps 
that will help you to be able to hear God, to have an expectancy even in your life to hear from God because he wants to speak to you. He really does. And we're going to look at Habakkuk chapter 2 and just one verse in the Bible. And and the book of Habakkuk, it's one of those books that a lot of people even don't know it's there. Habakkuk, a lot of people say, however you want to say it, it's, it's, it's a mouthful. It's one of those words that people aren't naming their kids anymore for I wonder what reason. But he was a minor prophet in the Bible. Didn't mean what he said was unimportant, but he was a minor prophet. But he talks in his book about a spiritual journey, and it's his spiritual journey. And he talks about his spiritual journey, how he came from a place of doubt to a place of worship, a place of doubt to worship. And on Sunday, we, we, we quoted him in the fact of being honest because Habakkuk 1, verse 2 and 3 starts with, God, where are you? How come you're not hearing me? What's up, God? I'm not happy with you. Things aren't going good. I don't think you even care. Okay, but then he gets over that. He's he's been honest. He's let those things out to God. God spoke back to him. And look what it says in chapter two and verse one. And it's just, I believe, practical insights on how you and I can hear the voice of God. Are you ready? He says this. I will stand my watch and I will set myself on the rampart and I will watch to see what God will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. So what's the thought? I'm waiting to hear God. And when he speaks, he's going to correct me. Maybe he's going to change me. But you know what? I want to answer according to the correction, to the instruction, to the guidance that God does in my life. So let me give you five things that I believe this verse shows us. And we're going to go into these into greater depth next week. And then we're going to discover how we can test these things to know if it's the voice of God. But here's the five things that I believe Habakkuk, the practical steps that he shows us. Are you ready? Number one is this. We've got to get alone with God. He says, I will stand my watch. You know, there's something about a watch. Everyone else is asleep and there's just one person out. Come on, I'm going to stand my watch. If people are not watching around me, come on, we've got to learn the secret of getting alone with God. Understanding what is it says. Psalm 46 tells us what? Anyone know what Psalms 46 tells us about that? I was hoping you'd remember because my mind just went blank. But the Bible says, what's it? it talks about the quietness of God and being in that place of quietness. I think it's those that wait on the Lord. Is it that? My mind went blank. Just turn there anyway. But it's getting alone with God. We're so quick to make time to get alone with everyone else. But what about getting alone with God? What about finding God in our lives? God is my refuge and strength, it goes on to say. You know, Lord is with me and all these things. But here's the scripture. Here it is. Psalms 46 verse 10. Be still. Are you with me now? Be still and what? Know that I am God. It's that stillness, that alone time with God. And we've got to create that in our lives. And we're going to talk more about that next week, how we can do that, how that looks. Here's the second thing that we've got to do. Are you ready? We've got to wait. We've got to wait. We've got to learn to have patience. Because God doesn't always reply straight away. And you know the reason why God doesn't reply straight away? It's not because he doesn't have the answer. It's because we're not ready for the answer. 
And God wants to do things in our lives to prepare us for the answer because if not, it's going to be detrimental to us, not a blessing. And isn't this tough? This is tough, especially when there's tragedy, especially when there's tough things in our life. No one wants to wait. Come on, we want immediate. Why? Because we we live in an immediate society. We want it now, 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 now. But you know there's a saying in the world and it goes like this, the best things come to those who... We know it, but we don't want it like that because we want it God's way and we want to do it God's way. Here's the third thing. Are you ready? Because he says, I'm going to get alone with you. Here's the third thing that I believe that we see. We've got to read his word. Look what he says. I want to watch and see what he will say to me. He doesn't say, I want to listen and hear what he wants to say to me. He says, I want to watch and see what he wants to say to me. Listen, if you haven't heard the voice of God lately, read him. And we're going to talk about this next week. And I hate to give all my message away because you may not come back. But listen to this one. Maybe instead of searching for a voice in our life, we need to be looking for a verse. That God will give us a verse that will sustain us. Man, I've got chills when I think of that. Just a verse that will see us through. I believe that wherever you're at in life, you need to have a verse that you're holding on to. Wherever you're at, God's got the answer in His Word to whatever you need. Come on, I've got a verse right now that I'm hanging on to right now. And I absolutely love it. You need to find a verse. And we're going to talk about that. Reading His Word. Here's the fourth thing that I believe in all of this. Because we see it later. God instructs Habakkuk. And God talks about it. And God tells him clearly, write it down. Write it down. Here's the fourth thing. I think we need to learn to journal. Some of us, this is great for us. Some of us don't. But just prayer journaling, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and just how that works. Not putting people in bondage, but releasing people into the blessing of God. Because there's something about just sitting and thinking through things and writing them down. Just gets into your spirit in a different way. Just kind of slows you down that you have to sit there and kind of just write it down. And then the fifth thing that we see and the practical step that we see from Habakkuk is this. I'm going to review it. I'm going to wait to see what his answer is because it's an answer that wants to correct me. What is he doing? He's looking at the answer. He's looking at his life. He's reviewing it and he's testing it. And we're going to look, I believe it's at six things how we can test whether it's the voice of God. Because I'm telling you, there's practical things that we can know whether God's speaking to us. Come on, it's not Morgan Freeman. Come on, it's not Morgan Freeman's voice. That's the one who speaks God most of the time. What does it sound like? Most of the time, it's not going to be a sound. It's going to be a feeling, but it's a feeling that still can be tested by things in each one of our lives. So we're going to go on more depth next week. But what... We need to see tonight is this. We need to make a commitment to see this. That I need to slow my engine down and slow my life down and make time to listen for that still small voice. Because God's not going to shout to try and get your attention. We shout to get his attention. But God showed Elijah. He said it wasn't the earthquake, it wasn't the wind and it wasn't the fire. It was the small still voice. And can I show you why it's a still, small voice? DJ, stand at the end of that aisle for me. I want to show you why it's a still, small voice. Are you ready? I'm going to say something to you, right? Did you hear me? Okay, come a little closer. Come right up to Jim, right there. 
Can you hear me? Come on up. Come on up. How are you doing today? Doing good. You know why it's a still small voice? Because God longs to be in relationship with you. It's not because he doesn't want to be heard. It's not that he can't shout. God can do anything. But I believe the reason why, I've got chills when I think about it. The reason why it's a still small voice is God says, I don't want to love you from afar. I want to love you up close. Come on, I want you to be able to touch me and reach me and feel me. That's the relationship that I want with you. But yet, the busyness, the hustle, the bustle of just life can so consume us in so many ways. Make a commitment to be here each week. Really make a commitment to be here. Because we're just going to learn some things and, and, and just see some great things happen in our life. Has anyone got a question? Pete's going to go around with the mic. Has anyone got a question tonight that you just want to ask? And hopefully we've got the answer. And I promise you this, if we don't have the answer, we'll come back with it next week. Come on, how many like that still small voice? That was cool, huh? I, I didn't come up with that, so I just, I'd seen that before. It was cool. Anyone got a question they want to ask? Tanja. Okay, how do I have the faith when I don't see the answer to those things? What, how does that work? You know, I, I just think one of the greatest scriptures we can look to in that is Galatians 6, 9. And that is this, we've got to keep sowing the right seeds. And it can get tiring when we think, well, by now, God, you should have got this and we should have handled this. But the promise is this, in due time, in due season, in God's timing. And that's the problem right there, God's timing versus our timing because we want it now and we can look and say, well, God, if you would have done this, this would have solved and everything. God sees our end from the beginning. He's sovereign. He knows all things. So what we discover is this. We've just got to keep sowing the seeds. We've got to ask ourselves when we see the results of things that we're praying for and the enemy comes in with an onslaught and an attack, we've got to ask ourselves, is that the harvest that I've been praying for? Is that what I've been believing for? And if the answer is no, what does that mean? I've got to keep sowing the seeds. And I know it gets tiring and it gets tough. But one thing you've got to remind yourself is this, that God loves you, that God's there for you. He wants the best for you. But also he's going to do that in his perfect time. And really, we've got to understand this. Outside of his perfect time, we wouldn't want it because it wouldn't be right and it wouldn't be perfect. But again, the promise is this. In due season, we're going to reap if we what? Faint not. Faint not. If we don't give up, if we don't lose heart. And it's so easy to lose heart. But you've got to hold on and trust God like never before and keep trusting Him and keep believing. Hope that helps. Jim, can you turn on that mic, please? Go on, Jim. There's a fine line between... Um, us making something happen and waiting on God to uh, bring it about. And I just want to know your thoughts on that as far as uh, us taking action and go get something done or actually allowing God to bring that open door or do it, do it for us. Cool, cool. You know, the illustration I read today was the pastor was talking about in order to prepare for a message, it would take him about 20 hours. 
because he would write three drafts and then he would rewrite his message. And he was talking to a pastor one day and the pastor said to him, man, what's up with that? I I just stand behind the pulpit and I just believe that God's going to give me a word and I just trust God. And, you know, the pastor who had done all the planning and said, he came back and he said, there's no doubt in my mind that God cannot perform a miracle in the pulpit because he's done it for me before. But he said, how foolish would it be for me to jump off a cliff, put my hands in my pocket, my brain in a drawer, and just on the way down expect God to catch me because I've already jumped. And I thought, what a great analogy in our lives with that. And, and I'll try and play it back to where you're at. In our lives, and we can look at the circumstances and situations, and so many times we try to force God's hand by saying, okay, I'm going to jump. Now you've got to catch me, God. Now you've got to do it. There is a responsibility of doing what we need to do in our lives. And one of the things that we've talked to is this. It's our responsibility to put our hand to the handle, but it's God's responsibility to open the door. And I believe that God very seldom opens a door that we're not prepared and we're not engaged and ready. But we've got to watch because we can try to force open those doors. And one of the things that I would suggest and just practical trips in my life, and we're going to talk about this next week, and and, and there's some things next week that are going to really play out and help. But it's just to look at things and, and ask yourself questions. Am I trying to force God in this situation? What is God maybe trying to do inside of me during this situation? And then start putting into place some things. Is what I'm doing against God's word? Is it against what he made me to be? Is, is it something that's not who I am? And start looking at all those things. And I really think that when we sit back and consider a lot of those things and just slow down and take time, we'll realize that his way is not hidden. It's just so many times we want it our way that we're blinded to his way. So I hope that answers. I've kind of gone around away, but you know, it's a responsibility for us to do things, but we've got to watch sometimes that our doing can get in the way of God doing. So we've got to know the limits of where we go, and then we've got to know the limits of where we trust God. And how do we do that? By knowing his voice, by knowing him in relationship and understanding. Listen, I know Kelly, and I know how far I can go without getting her mad. You know what I'm saying? I know how far I can go, and then I know what's going to get the wrong response from her. I know what drink she I know those things I know about. Why? Because I'm in relationship with her. I can order for her in a restaurant. I can do this kind of stuff. It's going to be a water with extra lemon. That's what she's going to want. Or a Coke if she's really feeling bad. She wants a Coke, you know? I know what to order. I know these things. Why? Because I'm in relationship. Again, when we spend time with God, we'll begin to know the plan that he has without having to force it and to work it. So I hope that helps with that. Any other questions? Here's Miss Debbie. Um, would I be forcing the door if I um, try to supersede and try to get my grandkids in school if my son is not doing it? Well, here's the reality is this. You're not forcing anything. It's the law. The law is you have to have your children in school. So you are playing part of them breaking the law. So you need to kind of 
you know, I would still go to your son and say, listen, it's against the law. If you're not going to do it, then I'm going to go tomorrow. I'm going to do it. I would let him know. I wouldn't do it behind his back, but I would let him know. And if he fights and if he fights and if he fights, then there's a, that's a whole other situation. And we may need to talk about that. But we, we've got to follow as Christians. We're not above the law. As children of God, we've got to follow the law. In fact, remember in the Bible, when someone came to Jesus in regards to taxes, I mean, we're going there, we're talking about taxes. Remember, well, what do we do? Do we do? Jesus took a coin and he said, whose inscription is on that? What did he say? Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to man, follow the laws of the land, be obedient to that. But then remember this, your, your obedience also needs to be to God too. So we've got to learn the balance of those. But yeah, that, that's what I would do in that situation. Any other question? Yes, Miss Katrina. Thank you. So, oh, so you talk about not having this grocery list, but, you know, as a mom or a woman, I don't know if it's in particular to us, I find that this past, since Sunday, I've been trying to pray. I've been finding myself praying to learn how to pray. Cool. Because when I start to pray, it's, I'm going to pray for Rick, and then it's a list, and then it's, oh, Nicholas, and then a list, and then my brother-in-law, and it's just, uh, then these lists are, like, everywhere of everybody that needs this prayer for these different things, and I was like, stop, it's not this, you know, so I, I don't know how to get out of that specifically asking for something without it being a monologue. Okay. Does that make sense? Well, you know, again, having a shopping list, when we say that, let me clear that up, it's not wrong to ask God for things in our lives. I pray for things for my kids every day. I name my kids by name every day, and I, I ask God to do things in their life. But what we're talking about is sometimes our prayers can be so empty that it just becomes so impersonal and it's just like God's an ATM and we like just demand it from God. Okay, God, I want this, 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 this. And we almost don't mean what we're praying. We want it to happen, but there's no heart, there's no feeling to it. So for you to pray those things, it's not just a monologue. But then what I encourage you to do is start your prayer with a time of praise. Start your time with a prayer. Well, I, I like to, when I, when I walk and, and pray, I like to walk and pray in the morning. I always have music on when I do that. And, and I'll, I like for the first five, ten minutes while I'm walking, I'm just giving glory to God. I'm just thanking God for his goodness and mercies, thanking God. And I quote scriptures, God, you're awesome. You're just wonderful. It, it's just almost starting that off, just putting God in his rightful place in my mind, just showing the greatness of God. And I think that's really good to do that because then as you begin to praise God, you can just kind of feel his blessings and you can feel his strength coming back to you. And then you can feel and just sense God speaking into your life. And then as you begin to pray for those things, it's not wrong to list all those things and to ask for those things. But then maybe just give yourself a little bit of time at the end and just say, God, you know, I just want to open up my heart now. Is there anything that you want to say to me? And just be quiet. And it can feel like hours and hours, but just open up your spirit and say, God, speak to you. You can maybe put on some music and just, but sometimes that quietness and just saying, God, will you speak to me? And it's amazing how God will begin to speak to us and God will sense us. So it's not wrong. I'm glad to clarify that. It's not wrong to have a list, but watch how we're praying the list. Because so many times we just like go, okay, see you later, God, take care of it. I'm gone. Where... If, if, if there's things, again, talking about a relationship with Kelly and I, if there's things that she needs or I need, how is she going to get me to respond better? Is she going to get me to say, hey, you do this and you do this and you do this? Or she's going to say, hey, sweetheart, I would really love it if you took out the trash for me. 
It would just make my day to do that. Do you see the difference? And we can do that with God. Not like, hey, sweetheart, what's up? But, hey, God, you're awesome. I would really love you to do this. I'd really love you. And here's how I think we should always end all our prayers. Are you ready? But, God, not my will, but yours. God, in your name, in your, God, what you will, God, I pray. If it's your will, God, do these things. Because at the end of the day, and then what do we do? We end it with amen. And what is amen? It's not the period at the end of the prayer. It's saying, so be it. So be it. God, I trust you that whatever I've prayed, so be it. It's going to come to pass. It's a good, good question. Any other questions? Let's stand to our feet tonight. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.